Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes not so tough. I think uh, that they're pretty interesting topics, actually, and they reflect a lot of what we all live through and experience. And today we have an interesting guest with us. One of the things that has always interested me in talking about um, personal uh, interaction and particularly, um, you know, interpersonal violence, etc., is how we tend to dismiss emotional abuse. And emotional abuse seems to be defined in many ways. I know how I define it, and I'm going to ask our guest, guest how she defines it. But that old saw about sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I don't think there has ever been anything as false as that statement. Anna Marie Askin Evans, uh, who is with us, welcome, Anna Marie. Hi, nice to see you or be here. It's okay. Um, thank you for joining us. And what do you agree with my my comment about the sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me? Yes and no. Uh, a lot of times when we look at um, emotional abuse, it does start with sort of a verbal assault. But a lot of times we have to know what the effects of the behavior are. It's not so much the words but the behavior associated with those words as well. Oh, emotional okay. Emotional abuse Emotional abuse is is sort of we as we define it is sort of an act or an action uh that will include ways of humiliating, uh intimidating, um talking down to with the intention to diminish uh, that person's sense of self, their self-identity, their self-worth, their dignity. And so that's, that's how we describe and define emotional abuse. And, yes, words do hurt, and a lot of verbal abuse is associated with emotional abuse. But, again, it's the effect because it chips away at that person's deepest part of them, that's spirit, that sense of self-worth. You know, years ago, that's an interesting definition. Years ago, I was talking with a, um, a group, a support group for women who um, had left abusive partners, and one woman said something about the look, and all of the women mm-hmm. were nodding vigorously, the look, the look. Um, there is a particularly disparaging and disgusting look that that oftentimes abusers will give to their partners, and it seems like every woman in that group knew what the look meant. Would you consider that emotional abuse? Sure, because a lot of times with, with that look or that silent uh, uh, body language, let's say, it, what it's doing is it's communicating a sense of contempt whether it's rolling of the eyes, it could be a grimace, it could be the tone of voice, it could be just that disgusted, maybe the disgusted look. It could also just be uh, stonewalling, withdrawing, the cold shoulders. There's just a dozen or more ways of really describing uh, what emotional abuse is. But just that look can can, can send chills and a sense of of, of insecurity among someone that has had a perpetual emotional abuse. But I could understand why somebody would say, oh, how thin-skinned are you? I just rolled my eyes at you, and and you're, you're considering that abuse. I mean, come on. 
Sure, sure. And, and of course, you know, there are going to be times we're only human that we're going to have our bad days. But the thing with emotional abuse is that it usually is is a pattern of behavior that is implemented on a daily basis or, or it's chronically uh, displayed and acted upon by the abuser to the recipient. So it, oh, it, it becomes more of a chronic pattern of communication. That's an, a good point. I know every now and then with my children, for example, I would say something that I thought was amusing and I would see that it hurt them. And I went, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. And then I made sure I, you know, or at least I did everything I could to make sure I didn't do something like that again. Um, probably being human, I did, but, you know, I, I tried. I made an effort not to because I found that um, for with one of my kids, my sense of humor was very similar. I tend to have a... Um, I don't know, a dark sense of humor. And with one of the with one of the other kids that I have, it, it's it's not. It's completely different. And so when I say something that I think is funny, sometimes she'll think, oh, oh, you know, and I can see that she might be hurt by it. So I learned that early on, that that was something I really had to watch. Um, and so you're saying that if it's not a pattern, if it's just an accident, it it doesn't make it any less hurtful, but it it's not necessarily abusive. Is that what you're saying, or am I butchering your intent here? Well, I, I think it, it's, it, again, you, you went ahead and apologized and showed some compassion towards your child's vulnerability. Most emotional abusers um, don't feel that they have to apologize, that, you know, get over it already. Um, and so that, that act of compassion, when we make a mistake, um, when we say something that might be hurtful, that helps to repair right away, and that I don't consider to be chronic emotional abuse. You're having a bad day. You, you, you figure out, my goodness, I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. I, do, I, I really didn't want to hurt your feelings. You care about how that other person received the information, and, again, the the intent wasn't to... Um, cause a, a diminish in self-worth uh, in terms of diminishing their dignity. You weren't trying to humiliate um, as well. So it's the intention behind it, and it's the repair uh, that follows as well that's important. Okay. Do you see that often in families? Um, I, I, we had talked a little bit, um, you know, when we were planning the show, and we wanted to make sure that we didn't just focus on emotional abuse between intimate partners, but that we also talked about other relationships, either in the workplace or parent-child relationships. Is emotional abuse something that we see across the board, or are we talking mostly about intimate partners? Well, I think it, I think it can run across the board. Uh, in, in our practice, we see a lot of that. We have a, a family Centered practice, and we work a lot with the local court service unit. So there is a lot of emotional abuse that that can filter down from parent to child. From it, it could be cousin to cousin. It could be aunts, uncles. It could be a sibling uh, that that is the recipient of of emotional abuse or one that is 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 you know, doing the abusing. So there are different or different aspects of emotional abuse. You find that in the workplace, too. Uh, a lot of corporations now have corporate wellness department to kind of help combat that. And it usually starts at work with maybe some sort of disagreement, some sort of conflict within between two employees that never gets resolved. And then they tell their other coworkers, and then they gang up on the other and so on and so forth. So I do have even a couple clients, a corporate uh, clients that have their wellness department tap into resources that we provide at our center in order to help combat that. So you see it amongst kids, you see it amongst family, you see it amongst neighbors um, as well. So it's really understanding what motivates that person to to display that sense of uh, emotional abuse. And it's usually because they have a sense of inadequacy. There's something within their their thought process, their belief system about themselves that they feel bad, and so you need to make me feel better. 
if I'm feeling inadequate, I need to throw that back at you is is sort of the perception. Hmm, that's interesting because, you know, I've heard that before. I've heard that oftentimes, this, you know, it, it's kind of like that that stems from inadequacy, like, uh, oh, gosh, I'm trying to uh, think of something. Well, when I was a kid, if, if there was a child who was extremely, extremely self-confident and pushy and everything, everyone said, well, that's because he doesn't feel good about himself. So he needs to project that he feels better about himself than regular people think. I'm not sure. I believe that. Is that well? I, I and I, I get yeah. I get what you're saying. I think that that kids and and even adults can be confident and they can show that sense of confidence and that self value without putting someone else down in order for them to build themselves up. So, again, it's the intention behind the message there. So if someone does come in and they're confident and they, they, they're, they're treating people with respect, with dignity, and valuing that person, then I, I don't think that, that there's anything wrong with it. It actually is very healthy. It's when we feel bad or we have this sense of inadequacy, and in order for us to feel better, to elevate our superiority by putting someone else down and again trying to diminish them that's where that emotional abuse um, starts to grow but i think that sometimes emotional abuse is not um from the standpoint of i need to feel better about myself and so therefore i'll put you down sometimes i think it comes from i can put you down does that make sense? <laughs> well, I, I, I get what you're saying, but again, that person that says, I can put you down, they're coming from a vulnerability. Uh, usually there is probably some anger, resentment, but below, beneath that anger and resentment is a sense of feeling inferior because people who feel good about themselves don't want to put anybody else down. They they want to bring they want to bring those people along with them and create more value. We as humans have an innate drive to create value. It's something we're born with. We are no more valuable than anyone else. We're no less valuable. It's when we start to experience core hurts and vulnerabilities that we start to disconnect from that valued self, and therefore that's when hurts take over and a mechanism to combat that hurt is to get angry and resentful. And when we start to feel that way, then we start to mistreat the people around us. I and usually people that, that are... Yeah, go ahead. Um, usually people that are emotional abusers, they, they're blamers. They have a sense of... Um, they blame everybody for their their situation and one of the key things if i go back to between you know partners in a in a more intimate relationship it early on in the relationship if you find that you're and and men and women can both be emotional abusers so if one if you're dating someone and they start talking about their old partner and blaming them for all that went wrong in the relationship and they say, see, you know, you're loving, you're caring, you're such, so different from that crazy person. Once you start seeing a pattern of that or they blame things that happen at work on someone else, that's a signal, that's a red flag that these these people may have a potential to be uh, abusers. They may also show a lot of resentment. They may show a lot of entitlement. It's hard being me. Therefore, I need to have special treatment. And the, the, it's that kind of disconnect to their self-value that causes them to to go to the next person in line to to abuse. And that's the problem with blame. The law of blame is it goes directly to the closest person to them so that they they blame you for their bad feeling or their lack of ability to create value or happiness in their life. 
And the You're problem saying, with it's, with it's the, kind of like a, a, the boss blames the worker, the worker goes home and blames his spouse, the spouse blames the child, the child blames the dog, that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. And the the problem with with those that are um, recipients of the abuse, uh, what makes it so frustrating, is that they tend to blame themselves for that person's resentful mood or or disparaging remarks, and they, they start to second-guess themselves and say, hmm, if only I had or only if I was more of, if only I sh- did this, I would make this person happy. And a lot of times uh, that you can't make someone happy. They have to find their own happiness, their own self-worth in partnership, whether it's in an intimate relationship, whether it's between parent and child, co-workers, friends, neighbors, you enhance that. Um, again, you help create more value by enhancing that, but you can't do it for them. Sure. You know, I want to go back to the the motivation of the emotional abuser because I understand what you're saying and I agree with it, but I do believe that there are, I don't know, for lack of a better word, categories of people who just are mean and they do it because they know they can do it, and they know they can make you feel bad. And they don't necessarily do that from a position of uh, feeling inferior or feeling hurt. I, I think that there are certain numbers of people out there, and maybe, you know, not the most people, but I think that there are certain people out there that just do it because they can and they want to. Am I naive? You don't well, agree with that at all, or? Well, I I think it, the, the, from my from my vantage point in terms of of the practice and and the clients that we treat, they can that that can be what we think is. But usually, again, most humans are born to want to create value. That we have it in our brain. We're hardwired to create value to be compassionate. Now, if we've had different hurts in our lives or vulnerabilities and we refuse to acknowledge those and we're going to blame and mistreat the world because of that, then yes, I I can agree with you there. And one of the key things that we try to teach um, our clients is what self-compassion is, is to really be able to recognize your own vulnerabilities, your own suffering but with a motivation to want to heal from it to want to grow from it to want to improve instead of lashing out at others so i think it's the people that aren't able to move beyond that that just want to be mean they have a choice though and whether they decide to take that choice is obviously their decision yeah um, I've been negligent here. I have not given out our phone number yet. If you'd like to join our conversation or if you have questions, 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. I also have the chat room open if you want to list something. Um, Anne-Marie, we were, uh, we were talking before the show started. Uh, there was a little little buzz on Facebook on the posting about the show, and uh, one man posted that, um, well, I guess in some ways he agreed with me because he said that um, some people do this simply because the motive is to hurt someone. But then he threw in this comment about, but when the crybaby can't accept the truth, they are not the victim. That comment really bothers me because it it implies such arrogance that if that I know who's the crybaby, I it, why am I so bothered by this man's comment? Can you help me out there? Well, yeah, I'd have to probably you know see what else was more of the context that he's referring to. But I think a lot of times what happens is is that we we have that failure of seeing the other person's perspective, what their experience is. So even though um, in a situation someone might be right, if they don't respect the other person's perspective, they don't have to agree with it, they don't have to like it, but they have to agree 
and uh, that they need to respect that perspective because if they don't, they're not getting the whole picture. And so let's say someone might be a crybaby. Um, maybe it's because they're not being heard, they're not being uh, validated as well. However, I do really, um, I just really advocate for this is that whenever we become victims of somebody else's uh, behavior, uh, demeaning comments, we're just, we're just trapping ourselves into to not moving forward in our lives, and we call that a victim identity. So with, especially with emotional abuse, what you really have to concentrate on is healing yourself seeing that you have the ability to move beyond this, to improve, to grow, to heal. And you cannot try to fix another person's, um, you know, behavior or think that you're responsible for it. So it sounds like maybe perhaps this gentleman might have been frustrated that, you know, a lot of times people don't help themselves get out of that so I refer to it as um, uh, my mentor, Dr. Stosny, refers to it as going into what we call a healing identity. How can I move beyond this? I have that innate drive to create value. I just need to tap into that and not constantly stay the victim of someone else's uh, opinions of me or devaluing behavior. The problem is, is that in emotional abuse, the victims, they blame themselves. And so it, it, by the time they come in for therapy, they're pretty much entrenched in that it's all their fault and they've lost a real uh, real connection to who they are, their self-worth, their self-identity, and that's where we start the healing process for them. Let's talk a little bit about children. Um, we, we started out that way a, a little bit ago, but we kind of moved on. Is it... Is inadvertent emotional abuse easier with children because they are so vulnerable? Well, I think. Well, yeah, I I think that that we we have to kind of look at where where it's coming from. So emotional abuse, um, when it comes to children, is a pattern of behavior that you're 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 impairing that child's ability to emotionally develop, um, or or, or create a sense of of self worth. Now. Up until they're about seven years old, they they download anything that they they hear, they see. It's sort of like downloaded information for them. Their brains are in sort of like a hypnotic state, so they're recording constantly. And so if they're receiving negative messages about themselves, whether they're name-calling, whether they're, they're, they're being threatened in some way, um, if we're allowing them to witness, physical or emotional abuse, um, that can really start to stunt their emotional growth. And so this is this is really important. When parents start to really, if they find that they're you know, emotionally abusing their children, which is a hard thing to track, social services and other agencies, I know Child Help tries to estimate you know, how many children are being abused in, 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 in the country. Um, I think they report like over 3 million, but out of that, how much of that is emotional abuse? I can tell you from our perspective, our center works in partnership with a court services unit, and we see a lot of that. We see a lot of um, emotional abuse. The, the parents are putting the children down, um, finding fault with them, instead of trying to find a way to heal from that. And a lot of times that's, those families can be identified as having you know, some financial difficulties. We might be dealing with a single parent. We might be dealing with some loss, trauma, even divorce. And then a lot of times we're dealing with, um, with substance abuse. I have a case where, you know, a, a child um, is emotionally being emotionally abused because that child has to make sure that one of the parents is wakes up from a drunken stupor, for instance. So those are ways, and that child starts to feel responsible for their parents' well-being. And that puts a lot on the child, and they start to really start to show signs of uh, 
of depression, of worry, anxiety, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, now, that putting that child in the role of the adult is 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 tough, and but we've seen that over and over and over, you know. Uh, and is and you're saying that that is that can be considered emotional abuse. Absolutely, they 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 show signs that they're fearful of their parent. They may even hate tell me they hate their parents. They also really are are do a lot of negative self talk about themselves. I'm stupid. I'm not going to amount to anything. They feel that they're 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 not as good as their peers. I've also witnessed where their speech patterns may change and stuttering may happen. Um, they may develop things that um, symptoms that 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 are more physical as well. Now the other thing too is that I, I, I do like to try to really make this a point as well. If a if if a child experiences emotional abuse from a parent or a caregiver, we just spoke about that, but there are a lot of times in households where the child isn't per se being emotionally abused or not the target of it, but they're witnessing it, and that can cause a lot of um, emotional damage as well because it's in their environment. And so this is where we start seeing uh, children develop anxiety uh, where they they have excessive worry about things that they really shouldn't be worried about, whether the bills are going to get paid or is there going to be groceries in the house. They, uh, a lot of times they develop depression, but depression looks like boredom to them, to us, it, it, that they're bored children or they're almost stone uh, children, as we call them, because they're not able or don't feel safe to show any kind of emotion. They develop problems at school, whether it's grades, there's um, development of aggressiveness that can be for both boys and girls. The other thing that happens is hyperactivity, and a lot of times then they get labeled, oh, they have ADHD, or there's uh, something else where it could be a heightened um, uh, symptom of, of, you know, anxiety that happens and the one thing too is that they they really start to develop that sense of low self-esteem low self um, view of who they are Um, and so they feel disregarded they feel powerless and adequate and so that's something that we really need to focus on too and I try to do that a lot with our divorcing couples as well they also are at risk of developing some sort of substance abuse, whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, get into um, different kinds of crime. Um, this is where we work with the, the court services unit. We see a lot of these children identified um, because they've witnessed that. And then, of course, like I said, they develop um, mental, mental prob- problems or issues and then they lose that sense of self-worth, so a lot of times they give up, they may drop out of school, then they find themselves in a life of poverty as well. So that cycle just kind of continues on. Okay, so well. how, you know, I'm I'm kind of uh, seeing connections here, and I'm not sure whether I should be, but wh- what we're talking about I've heard referred to as bullying. I've heard referred to as um, psychological abuse. I've heard, I've heard... Are all the are we talking about all the same thing here? Yes, I mean in, in terms of emotional abuse, emotional abuse is part of our our, our mental capacity, our, our our ability to cognitively process our emotions. Um, bullying is another form of emotional abuse because the intent is to diminish the self worth of that particular person. And bullying could be, and we see a lot of that. I'm working on a task force right now in terms of bullying, how to prevent bullying in schools and cyberbullying. But you, it happens amongst adults. It happens amongst children. It happens amongst, you know, family members as well. Again, it's that intention to diminish somebody else's sense of self-worth, humiliate them, and it a lot of times it's to bolster their that the bully or the perpetrator's sense of self. Wow. One of the things that I so no one really escapes it. 
in the workplace, they 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 call it mobbing or bullying as well. Is is how they refer to that usually in the workplace. Yeah, I think that as human beings, we always want to elevate ourselves. We always want to feel as high as we can, and I mean not necessarily psychologically high, but we want to feel like we are as as far up on either the evolutionary scale or the social scale or whatever that we that we can be and there's two ways to do that one is by climbing higher and one is by pushing everybody else lower and yeah, i i think that that's go ahead oh and and i often wonder if if uh this kind of you know emotional abuse is just kind of like um the the um kind of the, the carrying it to an extreme, you know, the idea of, of pushing everyone else lower so that I can be higher. Sure. I mean, that that that's, I think, part of, of human nature, but, again, we also have that ability to create value. And what I really try to focus on is, you know, we, can, we can't control other people's behavior or how they, um, they, they respond to us. I call it um, emotional boomerangs. Emotions live within us as individuals. What I do with my emotions, hopefully I'm able to process them from that valued state. But if I'm not able to really understand my own emotions or I'm not comfortable with it, what do I do? I fling it out there into into the, the environment. And then someone who doesn't feel good about themselves or is trying to to help or feel responsible for that other person's well-being, they catch it. And that's where this 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 relationship of emotional abuse, this song and dance happens. But if you don't catch it and you and you value yourself more and say, "Nope, this is not this is not something that I I can I can help you with. It's you have to heal from this. You don't catch it. It has to go back to that person. They eventually have to do something if they want to to heal from it. If not, what what I teach my clients is then you start to develop healthy boundaries as well. You start to really discern what is a healthy boundary for yourself. And again, if people are start are making you feel less than you have the ability to decide what your self-worth is and move beyond that. And that might be, you know, distancing yourself or setting more narrow boundaries with people in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's easier said than done, though, isn't it? I mean, it's hard for us to do... Um, it, it's hard for us to make those kinds of changes, I think, as human beings, isn't it? We t- We tend to pay attention to oh, what other I- people around us are... Are thinking of sure. and doing, yeah, yeah. Sure, it is, and and the thing is, is that we 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 we're creatures of habit, and part of that is we have patterns of behavior that become habits, uh, patterns of thought process that become habits. We we have a conscious mind that I think we tap into about five percent of on a daily basis. The other is our subconscious mind just playing those downloaded tapes. And so it's easier for the brain to just go back to those old tapes. So it takes a lot of a process. And what I tell the, my clients is is that we're not looking for the fast and, and, and you know easy solution here. We're looking for small incremental changes to move forward in your healing process. And that's where cognitive behavioral therapies and other interventions help because it's it's an ongoing process and so we have to replace a behavior um, instead of you know trying not to do a behavior we have to replace it with something else we have to override it with a new a new way of thinking a new pattern of behavior as well so does anyone escape emotional abuse i mean it's, it's, oh, it's sure. seems like it's so rampant in our our culture and in our relationships um, to one degree or another, are are there actually people out there who have never experienced bullying or never experienced that kind of emotional abuse? Well, you know, it's hard to to say if if no one ever has. I think that that 
I think we all have experienced it to some degree, whether we're sure. children or we're we're adults. It's it's the it's the meaning that we give it. And if we really are from that place of, you know, emotional uh stability, we are in touch with our valued self, we have a, a good sense of self worth, uh that helps us. Now the difference between we talk a lot about having self esteem and having self worth and self esteem is what I call transitory and this is the something that, you know, Dr. Stosny talks a lot about when he's doing his uh, his work as well. It's based on other people's opinion of us. But self-worth is deeper. It, com- we, it comes from within us and we take it into the world. We know who we are. We know what our values are. We know what our talents are. We know what our spiritual beliefs are. We know that we have a sense of a motivation to improve and to grow and to have compassion. And I think it's those people that really from a young age or they learn it, that they tap into their self-worth. I think they escape it more or it doesn't affect them as much. Okay. Um, so we're we're seeing we we can be hit by this in all areas, not just with spouses. Um, or intimate partners, but also with parent to child. Uh, is there ever a, a situation where children become verbally abusive of their parents? Well, I think they can, as they get older, they can they they learn how to. If they're not getting their emotional needs met in a in a in a healthy manner, I think they learn how to manipulate and they learn how to to be abusive as well. Uh, I, I've seen that happen a lot, and then the problem is, is then they then they get married and they treat their spouses and their families the same way. So it becomes a perpetual um, um, thing that happens from generation to generation. The thing too is, if you grow up being resentful and if you live your life being resentful, eventually the the person that is resentful, who is the perpetrator of emotional abuse the victim of it will also begin to be resentful as well. It's in, And it's an insidious type of um, circle that happens. So if you can learn to break away from it, take a step back and ask yourself, am I the person that I most want to be? Do I like who I am? Am I achieving my full potential? Do I feel safe with the people in my life? Do my children feel safe? Those kind of questions, they can start to break away from that. And again, it it does take time, and it takes a real desire to really want to to heal and identify with a healing identity as well. But not, if we could have a magic wand and make this all go away, it would be great. But that's not how sure. life works, and that's not how our brain operates as well. Yeah, I used to say before you know the news events about Bill Cosby. I used to say if, if we could just take all the children in the world and put them on an island to be raised by Bill Cosby and Felicia Rashad, like in that movie or like in that television show, they were like the perfect parents, you know, dealing with these things. Um, but uh, I guess there's no ideal um, parenting, uh, even even you know even on TV. Um, let's talk a little bit about ignoring is that a form of emotional abuse sure it, it, we call that the silent abuser um uh, if you if you decide to disengage and detach your time your affection your attention from someone uh that's a form of of emotional abuse we can also call it there's also stonewalling which where we refuse to see the perspective of somebody else um or we listen but we we listen dismissively we yeah 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 okay yeah right but you know you're wrong kind of thing uh there's sulking too that pouting that you know um kind of rejecting someone those are all other forms of abuse uh emotional abuse as well because what you're telling that person is that you're not worth my time, my energy, 
energy, my effort. And this is the other thing that happens with emotional abuse is that, yeah, the words can hurt, but when we start to feel isolated, uh, disregarded, disrespected, we start to really feel that, you know, that we are less than. And then what happens with the, the emotional abuser is then they, they, they come with the icing on the cake by basically saying, see, nobody wants you. You, 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 you wouldn't, you know, you're lucky that you have me. You're, you're not good enough for anybody else kind of messages, which gets really us so convoluted. But silence um, can really hurt a person. Uh, we talk about three kind of modes of, of behavior mo- um, motivation. One is that approach motivation where you're interested, you're in, you want to encourage, you want to understand, you want to listen. Then there's what we call the avoid motivation. This is where a lot of disengagement comes in and uh, stonewalling. You're not worth my time. I don't have time for you. Get away. You're not important. And then we have what we call the attack motivation where verbally or physically we're trying to take someone down a peg or two and diminish their sense of self. So a lot of, of what the components of emotional abuses happens in that avoid or attack motivation. When I work with couples, when I work with, in, in, with parents, really try to hammer that home to them is that anytime you approach someone is especially in an attachment relationship where there's an unspoken bond that you care about their feelings and their well-being, if you come from a place of avoidance or from attack, there's never going to be long-term success in that in that relationship. So that's part of the issue, too, with emotional abuse. It's that silent abuser. It's making yeah. someone feel, and then what they do is they second-guess themselves. You know, did I cause that, or what can I do to make it better? And, and don't normally you, think that you that can't. Confusion, that confusion, that unsteadiness makes it even that much worse. Absolutely, because then they, they second-guess who they are. It, it knocks them off that foundation of who they are. I call it chipping away. It's, it, it starts to erode over time. And, again, if it's chronic, it, it, one day that person wakes up and, and doesn't recognize who they are anymore. And so hopefully they, they will seek intervention. And so a lot of that, the, when we get clients, it's because they've gotten to that point uh, where they, they don't recognize who they are or that they – they just don't they're living a joyless life they they don't have any sense of self any sense of contentment any sense of appreciation for whether it's nature whether it's going into you know to a show or going on vacation it just sort of numbs them out yeah one of the things that you haven't mentioned is fear is fear a component there Sure. Uh, the fear, shame, and guilt are, are pretty much uh, uh, effects of, of emotional abuse. So a lot of times fear, especially for, for women, fear of isolation, deprivation, emotional or uh, physical harm, we, our, our brains are wired differently than, than the male brain. So we're sort of the alarm system of of our pack or our environment, and whenever that alarm goes off that you fear that you're going to be isolated, and emotional abuse can be very isolating. Emotional abuse can also um, be in the form of containment. No, you can't go out with your friends. You need to stay home. Um, You need to be here for me. You need to make me feel better. Um, that, That, again, plays into the fear of does anyone really care about me and my well-being? Uh, so that that really can play a, a, a role in especially a female looking for help because they don't they 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 have that sense of isolation and fear that no one's going to care that they feel bad, and so that's part of it and then there's also the guilt and shame you know shame that they 
They should be doing better. They should be more adequate. They should be able to help this other person feel better about themselves. So it gets all wrapped up. um, But all of those emotions are telling you to value yourself more. Find the value. But it's hard when you're in the midst of it, and this is where if they can reach out to somebody or read a book or, or, you know, have a friend well, or I think a neighbor. What you're, or what you're talking about to to reach out or read the book, uh, it, we we all need validation, don't we? And I think one of the problems with emotional abuse is that it is not validated. Um, just as the, no. the the Facebook commenter said that, well, you know, I mean, he dismissed it as well. The crybabies or the whatever. Uh, it's it's not illegal to do that to someone. It's you know, if you hit them that's illegal, but it's not illegal to bully them or to uh put them down or to give them the look as we were talking about. So there's very little validation for your feeling bad if this is happening to you. Do you agree exactly. with that? Exactly. And so so this is where, you know, again that that ability to create value in your own self worth really You have to dig deep for it. It can be done. uh, I've had many clients um, through the years who have been able to really heal from that. But if we want to blame people for our circumstances, um, that's part of the problem here is that once we start to have self-compassion for ourselves and we can start healing, we actually can start to have compassion for the perpetrator's vulnerability. We don't condone it. We don't think it's right. We're not going to go back into the pit with that person. But we start to see that their vulnerabilities. And when we do that, it releases us from their power over us. We can start to really see that they're coming from their own stuff, their own sense of inadequacy. Uh, Two of the biggest or deepest um, vulnerabilities humans really can have in terms of how they feel is if they feel inadequate that they they're not enough or anything that they do is never going to be enough that's a big vulnerability and if they start getting those messages earlier they take that into their adult life the other is feeling unlovable it doesn't mean that you can't love or be loved it means that the love you have to give isn't worth anything and so those messages keep perpetuating themselves until someone well, I must says, say no, the, I've had enough. Yeah. The the area in which I really think that I, I differ from you is that I, I, you know, I really feel that I have met uh, and experienced people who do not have those vulnerabilities, who do not have that core of... Um, damaged me that's causing me to react by perpetrating this emotional abuse on you. I really feel that I have met people, um, not a lot, but I have met people who perpetrate that kind of emotional abuse and coercive control who really um, are just doing it because they can and because they feel entitled to do it and because they don't recognize that you should have any problem with their behavior whatsoever. So... Those people may have, you know, sort of more of a mental disorder where they they have a lack or the ability to have empathy, compassion. Um, You know, I don't want to go around diagnosing anyone over the airways here, but those are, those are, those are, they, they, they roam the earth. There's no doubt about that. And so what we have to focus on again is how to heal ourselves and extricate ourselves from those kind of relationships. One of the things that happens, too, is that if you've been a victim of, um, let's say, emotional abuse um, or any kind of abuse early on in life, and as you get older, you seem to attract more of that. We call it multiple, multiple victimization basically those the, that person feels like well i could i could be in a room of just you know great people but i'm going to attract that one person and it's not so much that you're a magnet to that 
It's that you've got to start seeing that sense of self-value is what you want to attract. If you feel diminished, you're going to attract someone who is diminishing because the people that really are walking around with self-value, they're going to recognize your vulnerability and maybe your barriers or the boundaries that you've put up for yourself. They're going to give you time. They're going to try to help you along the way. But the one that sees that you can help them um, in their in their their diminishment, they're gonna they're gonna break down the boundaries and they're gonna keep at you or at that person until you finally say, okay, I'll go out on a date with you or I will try again with you. But if you really start to be very discerning um, of what your boundaries are, what your self worth is, what you are going to put up in what you're not going to put up with, whether it's from a romantic relationship, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, you then set the tone for how you're going to be treated. And when we feel like we have to be the pleasers, we have to be the fixers, then we are putting ourselves in a vulnerable state to attract people who say, you're responsible for my bad feelings about my life and who I am. Does that okay, make so sense? What, Anna-Marie, what I've gotten from our conversation is that, first of all, there might be a problem recognizing when we're being emotionally abused. And sure. once we recognize that, how do we find help? So is it a problem recognizing when we're experiencing this? Well, if you, if you're starting to to see that someone is is verbally berating you and insulting you, if there is any kind of rejection like that silent abuser that we talked about, the disengagement, the stonewalling, um, if you are constantly having what either backhanded compliments or put downs, uh, sarcasm, whether it's in private or in front of other people. If you're starting to feel isolated, if you see someone that that or, or or you're experiencing someone that is doesn't care about your well-being, those are all red flags. But the problem is, is a lot of times, especially in attachment relationships, is that though the the emotional abuse doesn't start to well into the relationship, and then all of a sudden, if you start having uh, symptoms or of of feeling confused, feeling like you're going crazy, um, that you're on edge, that you can't sleep, that you're second guessing yourself, uh, that you're you're anxious, that your emotional stability is 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 threatened, sleep patterns, physical issues, then those are all signs to get help. Um, of course, psychotherapy is is really good. Support groups are good. Um, any place that you can start reading a book um, on, on you know, what but, emotional well, you, abuse is and what it isn't. And you have some resources for people um, who are reaching that point of recognizing. And, again, I also wanted to point out that, you know, what what you had said before is very important, I think, that we're talking about a pattern. I mean, all of us inadvertently or, you know, we 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 get our feelings hurt. That just happens in life. But what you're talking about with emotional abuse is that it's a pattern. It's something chronic. It's something that happens routinely and, I'm assuming, progressively. Am I right on that? Yeah, it, it definitely is, can be progressive um, and chronic um, as well. So if someone hurts your feeling and you feel empowered, you're going to say, you know what, I don't know if you if you knew it, but by you saying that, really hurt my feelings. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to do that. That's different. But if it's a constant undercurrent, I is the only way I can really describe it. It's it's keeping you off your foundation. Then yes, that that those are all warning signs. Blamers, re, people that are resentful, even uh sarcasm, those are early signs of possible emotional abuse in a relationship. Yeah. As well as so second guessing as well, but there. Sure, um, yeah, Doctor Stephen Stosny wrote an incredibly good book, a, be- a wonderfully acclaimed book called "Love Without Hurt." You can get it on Amazon. He also has a website that is full of information, 
and that's CompassionPower.com. CompassionPower.com. So we could start there to try and hone in on what it is that we're feeling and whether we're, we are, in fact, recognizing uh, that we're going through that. But then what about therapy? How do you choose a therapist or somebody to work with if you're experiencing this? I would imagine, as in most fields, not every psychologist is an expert in every single aspect of human behavior. So how would, how would you select somebody to work with you if you're choosing to go with a counselor? Well, you want someone that probably has, you know, a lot of relationship um, experience. And um, you can go to psychologytoday.com, put in your zip code. And usually there's a list of therapists that will have a bio on what they specialize in um, as well. And um, so if you, there's also Dr. Stasny does uh, these relationship boot camps. He's get, he gets people from all over the world to come. That's also on his website. But I think that ongoing therapy, especially if you're in the throes of really uh, being a victim of emotional abuse and can't go forward in your life, is that you want to find a therapist that really recognizes that and is going to prepare help you meet your goals in therapy from a healing identity and not stay so much in that victim and blame identity as well. So moving forward um, in in your therapeutic goals, I think, is is extremely important as well. Is it possible to maintain the relationship that's emotionally abusive if you are seeking treatment and changing? I, I guess is it possible to change is what I'm asking. People want to, they need to be motivated to change. So a lot of times what happens, um, if couples come together and they both have the same motivation to work on that, absolutely. Um, But each one has to decide for themselves that they need to heal within themselves first, whether they're the abusee or the recipient of the emotional abuse. It's only until they really heal themselves can they really start to work on repairing the marriage. A lot of times I'll see couples and, and, and identify the emotional abuse, have them seek individual counseling, and then come back after they've really healed themselves um, to then go into the relationship repair as well. What if you don't heal yourself? What's the long-term prognosis if you maintain that relationship and you continue um, with that progression? Well, I think you, you'll you'll find yourself in a depressive, anxious state. Um, your life will become meaningless. You're not reaching your full potential. And a lot of times we develop, um, you know, uh, physical ailments and, and maybe even more uh, in-depth psychological um, ailments as well. And, and you just lose that, that ability to create value. And a lot of people do that, and unfortunately, they may numb themselves out with alcohol, with drugs, with other, you know, gambling and other things too. And they miss that 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 ability to be in relationship with someone, and that's that's the sad part about it. I think a lot of times, uh, and I've met people like this, that that they think it's better. They're afraid of being alone, and. Mm-hmm. So they'll maintain a relationship that's not making them happy or that's making them miserable because they think it's better than the alternative of being alone. I don't. I don't share that view. I. I. You know. I mean, we're always happier if we have a partner. But to me, it's being alone isn't that bad. It's a and it's a lot better than being miserable. Um, so that that's how I view it anyway. Um, well, anyway, so. The, the, it, it all has to do with sense of self, too. So if they've gotten the messages that no one will ever love you and that I'm all you have, then then that's one reason that people stay. But if they can really get the help they need, they'll see that negative attention is not healthy or being in a in a negative environment is not going to let them reach their full potential and that being alone doesn't mean being lonely that they're able to maybe branch out in other areas of their life. Yeah. And, you know, being hurt on a daily basis is a lot worse than just not having a partner, I think. But that's me. 
Sure. Anna Marie sure. Um, Askin Evans, thank you so much. If somebody wants to get hold of you, do you have a website? Yes, it's Marianne Clyde, M A R I A N N E, Clyde, C L Y D E, dot com. And okay. you can find me on Facebook on No K N O W, your core value. Okay, know your core value on Facebook. I'm going to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us, Anne Marie. I learned a lot, and Thank I appreciate you. your being with us and sharing your knowledge and your perspective. I always end the show with a quote, and the quote today is one that I think is so true. It's from Aisha Mirza, who's a writer, young woman. It's not the bruises on the body that hurt, it is the wounds of the heart and the scars on the mind. Scars on the mind and the wounds in the heart that really bring us down. Thank you so much for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. Join us next Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.